I think it gave me a direction in life that I'm, I'm so grateful and happy to be living. Having a direction or a purpose in life is something that all of us seek. Finding it isn't always easy. In fact, it's kind of hard. Sometimes it can take a long time. In this case, it took 2,668 miles to find that direction. And even then, the work isn't over. It definitely pointed me in a different direction, and then it's, it was my job after I got off the trail to you know, honor all the lessons I learned and keep living in a way that I learned I want to live. Welcome to Mountain Meister. Hello, Meister fans. Before we get started, let's thank a sponsor of Mountain Meister and tell you about quite possibly the best deal we've ever offered you on the show. Champion Sport Extreme, or CSX, engineers braces, straps, and compression socks that are made to withstand the demands of the elite athlete. CSX has taken over 30 years of experience in manufacturing medical compression for hospitals and used that to create a new line of products for active individuals such as yourself. For 50, that's right, 5-0% off of your entire purchase on csxchampion.com, type in the code MEISTER, M-E-I-S-T-E-R, at checkout. This deal is exclusive to the listeners of Mountain Meister. Go to the deals section on our website for full details. And thanks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mountain Meister. Today with us, we welcome Colin Arisman, who is a storyteller and a long-distance hiker. Occasionally, and maybe often, those two things combine. He kills two birds with one stone, like this one time when he hiked the entire Pacific Crest Trail, Mexico to Canada, 2,668 miles in five months and he created a film about it to share the story. It's called Only the Essential. Colin Arisman, welcome to Mountain Meister. Thanks a lot for having me. And you also live in a yurt, you were telling me before the show, and it's raining, of course, where you live outside of Seattle. How many sides does a yurt have? Well, it's a circle, so... Oh, it's a circle. Maybe one. <laughs> one side, okay. okay. <laughs> I thought I read somewhere that a yurt has a, a specific number of sides, so it's actually a circle. Yeah, it's a, it's not a octagon. Okay. It's a, it's a circle with a cone-shaped roof. And how's the yurt life? It's good. I was a little worried about my iMac, which I do film editing on when I move in, because uh-huh. it's, it's pretty high humidity, rainforest environment, but you know nothing is fried yet the moisture so and the wi-fi is good in the yurt huh yeah it's actually faster than anywhere i've ever lived before so it's not i'm not roughing it cool and and the rain in the background will add so much character to this interview (laughs) thanks for joining us so i want to start by talking about the distance 2668 miles to be completely honest when we talk about walking that distance uh it is the same to me as 500 miles or 5,000 miles. Like, I, I, I can't really understand it. So I wanted to give it some more perspective. Um, so, like, one way to do it would be Mexico to Canada, but that doesn't even do it justice uh, because there's so many undulations and switchbacks in the trail. 
so I looked at I looked at the highway system, Mexico to Canada, and that's around four fourteen hundred miles. So the trail adds an extra twelve hundred. Yeah, it's definitely uh, biking it on the road is definitely more of a straight shot. <laughs> there's there's so much terrain for the trail to uh, work its way around. Mm-hmm. The one of the goals of creating a trail like this is to minimize the amount of elevation gain and loss, which obviously is not. The goal isn't to avoid that entirely, but to avoid going down into a canyon, you add distance, um, mm-hmm. keeping your your elevation as you contour, you know, say around the inside of a saddle versus going all the way down into the valley and back up out. Yep, yep. I, I looked a little bit more into this. Boston to Miami, just so we can kind of give this some perspective. Boston to Miami is 1,491 miles. So you almost went from Boston to Miami and back to Boston. Um, New York City to Los Angeles is 2,792. So you almost walked from New York City to Los Angeles. I'm sure I'm sure that the trail was a little bit more scenic, though. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. I, I want to keep going with this. I was having so much fun with Google Maps. Um, yeah, it's cool to hear. I mean, I haven't. I don't know if you've ever like looked into this. Yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, you could have walked from Madrid to Paris to Berlin to Prague to Zurich and to Rome instead of doing the Pacific Crest Trail. <laughs> Explored all of Western Europe. <laughs> and then the last one, I tried looking at China. And it looks like you could have started in Shanghai and gone west all the way to Islamabad in Pakistan. But I tried looking at walking directions, and for some reason, they couldn't figure out how to walk there. Maybe it's because of the Gobi Desert or the Himalaya or some of the other mountain ranges. Or maybe China just hasn't let Google in there yet. Anyway, (laughs) 2,668 miles. That's so far. What, What made you want to do this? I think that I had been craving something like this since I was a teenager. Um, just growing up, I felt the absence of, you know, real tangible tests in my life. And, you know, our, for so long, humans have had rites of passage built into uh, their development through their culture. And for us, that's like high school graduation, for some people, college graduation, but those events for me didn't really feel like the transition and test I really was craving to, you know, start calling myself adult and start actually feeling what that's like. So I'd been looking for something big like this and it seemed like a really natural um, test and like, you know, big passage experience for me because I've always loved being outside. I grew up in rural Vermont and I just had unlimited time when I was younger to play outside. And, and, uh, growing up on the East coast, I hadn't spent much time on the West coast. So it, it seemed like a natural fit when I learned about the trail. That's cool. A rite of passage. I like the way that you put that. So do you need to train for something like this? I know it's, it might be a weird question, but I mean, you're, you're hiking. It's not like, it's not anything too, too technical. Uh, or do you kind of get into shape by doing the hiking? <laughs> um, yeah, I think I, I get asked the question about preparation a lot before yeah. doing something like this. Um, if you're in a good level of fitness, if you're someone who runs regularly or is a backcountry skier, if you're living this outdoor 
uh, physical lifestyle, transitioning into the hike is not a difficult thing to do. Um, and it's really all about starting slow and giving yourself time to get into shape while you're on trail. There's no point in like doing a training hike before you go because you could have just been doing those miles (laughs) on the PCT. Right, right, right. Coming off the couch, there's definitely a different approach. You know, you're not going to want to get yourself into that initial phase of activity. Like if you're going from a very, very sedentary lifestyle, going into five to 10 miles a day, in the desert in Southern California is just going to be too much stress for you, maybe even more emotionally than right. physically. So it's about setting yourself up for success. And um, like right now, my mom is thinking about doing the Camino in Spain. Mm-hmm. And for her, I've been really urging her to put, you know, an hour, two hours a day into walking before she gets there so that it's not a huge shock to her body and, you know, her habits mm-hmm. when when she's finding herself outside walking all day. Yeah. So it's different for the individual. Yeah, I mean, the terrain and mileage make it seem like this is an incredible physical test, which it is, don't get me wrong. But I'd imagine that this might even be more of an emotional test than a physical one. Yeah, I, I would certainly agree. Um, I think the people that I encountered that were dropping off the trail, you know, at the beginning, everyone has the same goal. Who's committed to through hiking that you're going to go all the way. And everyone has different reasons, but at a certain point, you know, some folks realized that that was just an idea and it wasn't necessarily this passion that could Hmm. keep their motivation up throughout the entire trip. While for other people, it's like that, that fires there throughout the whole experience. Were you afraid that that might happen to you? Yeah, that was my initial anxiety, um, for sure. Uh, uh, The emotional side, I'm not necessarily sure about, because just knowing myself that when I I fully commit to something, I'm going to go until my body breaks down, Mm -hmm. rather than I just don't have a track record of dropping off things because of like my commitment shifting. Mm -hmm. But I did have initially in the trail... You know, you tell people you're going to go out and do this. You create the time for it. For us, we'd run a Kickstarter and, you know, gotten the word out that we were going to do this hike and people had committed financially to supporting the film. And it's like, well, what if like 500 miles in, I get a stress fracture and wow, just like yeah. that not knowing how my body's going to react to something that's entirely new for it. Um, there, there was some stress there until I got to this point where I realized that my body was is really fundamentally built for this type of travel. Huh, what do you mean by that? Well, there's just a lot of evidence out there that uh, our evolution and our our physical structure is built for long-distance travel. We're not the fastest animal, but we have this unique niche of being able to travel longer than almost any other animal because we have the ability to perspirate and we have this incredible endurance. And uh, we can't keep up with every animal, but over the long haul, we can keep going, which is kind of like the thesis of Born to Run. That's I was, I was just going to bring up Born to Run. Uh, I was so surprised when reading this, but you're right, there is a lot of evidence out there. And part of Born to Run, he talks about a, a man who went out uh, with some natives in, I think, Africa, and they worked to hunt down an antelope, and they were successful in doing it. Yeah, endurance, endurance hunting is pretty incredible. There's this man, George Megan, 
who walked um, from Chile, the southern tip of Chile, to the northernmost extent of Alaska, oh. 19,000 miles on foot. Our bodies are capable of this. And, you know, that's an amazing test of what's possible. And it's not possible for everyone. But I think when we give ourselves the time, our bodies can handle this distance. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not maybe as crazy as, like, the Dawn Wall climb that just happened. Mm-hmm. I think probably more suited for this type of extreme physical test. Yeah, and if you look at how we have transported ourselves throughout our history, I mean, the car, uh, horse and buggy, even the horse, those, those means of transportation have existed for a fraction of how long we have existed. I, I looked up when the wheel was invented. That was 3500 BC. So in the grand scheme of things, that actually happened very late. Interesting stuff. Back to the trail, though. Uh, you said at the beginning of the film, and you've alluded to it here as well, that the odds were against you, and there are people that drop off of the trail. What Do you know what the odds are of completing the thru-hike? It's really hard for people to keep stats because you literally need someone standing at the start monument and at the end monument, uh-huh. which are not easy places to long-term camp and i don't think anyone's been really committed to doing that yet (laughs) i've heard everywhere from a third of folks to two-thirds of folks completing and that variability might be accurate because in a given year the conditions are so different like in 2011 there was so much snow in the sierras Uh. that it turned into a long distance uh, alpine mountaineering situation versus my year there was only a few sections where we had snow crossings and that's just an entirely different experience than having to route find and, you know, do like serious snow travel and winter camp for that extended period. So it's a totally different experience depending on the winter snows and the conditions. Are there any rules to, for it to be classified as a through hike or anything that you're not allowed to do? Cause I know you guys, I mean, you stop at restaurants. You, do you just leave the trail and then you have to return to the trail where you left it? Yeah, it's totally, there's this idea of hike your own hike okay. and it's basically a way to lower animosity on trail. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> for some folks, it's a big deal the criteria of a through hike. So if they're taking every step, um, which would basically be that idea of taking the step back onto the trail where you got off to go Uh get food or whatever, some folks get their feathers ruffled when, you know, someone else they're encountering is calling it a through hike, but they've hitchhiked like a few hundred miles ahead to avoid a a section they didn't want to do. Hmm. Interesting. So this idea of hike your own hike is that we're all out there for different reasons. And this isn't really a sport. It's more of a a way of being um, and that there's no one keeping track. And ultimately, these definitions only really satisfy our ego. So it's kind of about you can call it whatever you want. And I'm going to call my own experience what I want. Cool. I like I like the way you put that. Yeah, I think that the line of through hiking blending with sport and competition is blurring at this point Mm -hmm. because there's a new push for people to speed run or speed hike the trail. And I think that definition does get more important when someone is going for a record. And um, someone I met on trail, Heather Anish Anderson, Mm -hmm. uh, was doing an unsupported speed record. 
and she set that record while we were on trail. And even in that case, there's no one keeping track of these records. The Pacific Crest Trail Association, who's the main organization involved with managing the trail, has no capacity or interest to be involved with record keeping. Hmm. So even with these like really amazing tests of stamina, I mean, these are feats that are up there with anything that happens in the Olympics. Doing the PCT in under yeah. two months or running it consecutively, it's amazing. Wow. But but there, it's a it's a really a niche uh, sport, and it's it's kind of at that edge where it's of any sport when it comes into existence where it's not sanctioned yet. So these records are kept through people's integrity and, you know, the community of people who are closely knit and watching these things happen, um, you know, helping validate that that took place. So it, it's really, it's an exciting community to be part of because yeah. people are pushing their limits and it's not for the record books necessarily. It's for themselves and and their community to recognize them. Huh. Very interesting. Thank you. When I was watching this film, I have never seen people happier to eat, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> those yeah. those pancakes, the the scene with the pancakes, those are the biggest pancakes I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, they're big pancakes. I, I wish I could describe it to the listeners. It's all audio. Like, I'm looking at a 27-inch a iMac right now, and I think the pancakes were almost as big as this computer. And yeah, there were like five of them. Piece. A one pound a piece? What restaurant was that? It's in this tiny town in Northern California, and they get, I don't know if anyone comes there as a visitor other than through hikers. Uh-huh. So they're, they're used to us when we come through in, in July or August, and they've got this pancake challenge where if you can eat that whole plate of pancakes, you get them for free. Did you do it? I actually went for the eggs and the sausage, bacon, potatoes that morning, but my friend Casey went for the pancakes. Did he Did he eat them all? I don't think he made it all the way. <laughs> uh, I think he, <laughs> you've got to be you've got to be cut out for that sort of <laughs> competitive eating. Competitive right? eating to be able to get through that. Do, if you have a picture of that, I would love if you could send it over, and I'll put it on your Meister profile page. Sounds good. I can send a screenshot. <laughs> okay, yeah, perfect. Uh, so, also, I want to talk about trail names a little bit. Yours was Miracle Zen. How did you get Miracle Zen? I don't know if that one's fit for uh, fit for radio consumption. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's fine. We can we can bypass that. <laughs> how about how about how do you come up with trail names in general? Typically, a trail name is given to you by someone you meet on trail. So kind of the traditional idea around a trail name is you don't give it to yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you're you're 200 miles into the hike and people are still calling you your your name at home and then you, you slip down a, a slope and fall in a mud puddle, you might be named like Mud Puddle or something. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I was about to give myself a trail name. <laughs> that would have been embarrassing. And, and some folks do there's something really meaningful to them in life and they bring it in. Like okay. uh, my friend Heather, uh, she's from uh, the Anishabi tribe. So she gave herself the name Anish. Okay. Gotcha. So you used a ton of gear and we like to build in one recommendation for our listeners. If you had to recommend like one or two pieces that you are 
just so passionate about, what would you recommend? I am super stoked about my Granite Gear packs. I've got the pack I use on the trail is the uh, AC60, which is a, a frame pack. And it has a frame that can be pulled in or out. And it's basically a tubular pack. So there's no zippers and no pockets, which is super different than what a lot of people are used to with the backpack. But it's something I've grown to love because um, I use a lot of storage bags. I can get a Cuban fiber stuff sack or a Sil nylon stuff sack. And then everything basically can be organized in those and put into the, the body of the pack. Yeah. And then it's pretty classic rather than using a rain cover. Most through hikers will put a trash bag inside of that tubular like main compartment. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just, it functions way better than a rain cover for keeping moisture out and it's less likely to tear. Right, right. Because it's on the inside of the bag. Very cool. For the listeners, check out the Granite Gear Pack on Colin's Meister profile page on our website, mtnmeister.com. So we go back to why you wanted to do this in the first place, and that was you saw it as a, a rite of passage. Um, it was obviously very challenging, both physically and emotionally. Did you expect this to change you, and did it change you? Yeah, I think people have a lot of expectations for this trip to change them. Mm -hmm. And I think those expectations can be pretty detrimental to your experience. But ultimately, they kind of fall away and you you start to really realize what the hike is and not necessarily what you expected it or imagined it to be. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this huge idea around transformation through hiking now. It's you know, an idea that's in a walk in the woods, Bull Bryson's book that's being turned into a movie. And it's the subject of wild, which is this PCT movie movie that's giving the trail so much exposure right now. Mm, Right, right, right. My expectations were so high for what the hike would make me into. I thought that like, you know, once I do the PCT, I'm going to be like set for life. No, I don't need to really do, uh, do much more work on myself after that point. (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna be a guru after i hike the pct not quite but i think it gave me a direction in life that i'm i'm so grateful and happy to be living it definitely pointed me in a different direction and then it's it was my job after i got off the trail to you know honor all the lessons i learned and keep living in a way that i learned i want to live a lot of people talk about this like withdrawal period after you get off the trail and you know, you go back to your routine. Right. Um, and I didn't necessarily have that experience because I realized I wanted to work outside. I wanted to keep spending time outside. So I kind of made my life into something that I could be happy living. And I think when, when folks go back into something that doesn't feel good to them and they have this really strong reaction to it and they have this trail withdrawal, I think they're, they could have done more maybe to look at what worked for them on trail and, and, and apply that to how they're living their life so that it's not such a harsh transition when they get back. Right. It doesn't have to end yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, abruptly. Yeah. Do you have something planned next, like a big, another rite of passage like this? <clears throat> right now I'm really diving into my naturalist skills and, one thing I realized from being on trail is that I felt like I was just passing through 
and being a visitor to a lot of places where I wanted to feel more at home and really belong in. So a lot of what I'm working on is learning about plants, birds, animals, and getting used to feeling, you know, really grounded in the place. And so a lot of what I'm interested in doing now is um, living in a more integrated way in nature rather than um, just being a visitor. So for me, that looks a lot like hunting and um, getting more into survival skills, wilderness living and homesteading. Mm -hmm. Isn't it amazing that this is what you want to do? Uh, and then, and you're not alone. There are other people who want to do this, but then there's another group of people who wouldn't be able to stand doing that. And all they want to do is live in a city and make enough money so they don't have to do those things. Oh Uh, yeah. It's amazing. I'm not saying either one is better than the other. I just think it's just such a, an interesting contrast. Yeah. You know, sometimes I wish that I could be comfortable in a urban environment, but I think part of it's just from such a young age growing up yeah. in, in a pretty rural, wild area. And it's just, it's hard for me to feel comfortable when I can't get out into the mountains easily. Mm-hmm. I never understood, like when I was younger, uh, how much of an impact the way you are grown up uh, affects who you become. Sometimes you look at people and you're like, how did you get like that? Like, how did you become so weird? Like, people probably think that about you, Colin. People probably think that about me. People think that about everybody. Like, how did you get like that? But we never see all the things or all, all the events that happened to the person that eventually build who they become. Yeah. Yeah, I think our developments yeah. plays plays out for a long time in our life. Yeah. Cool, cool. So I don't want to minimize what you did, Colin, but we had somebody on the show in episode number 68 by the name of Trevor Thomas. Do you know who that is? His tra- I don't. His trail name is Zero Zero. And the reason that his trail name is Zero Zero is because he's blind. And he hiked the entire Pacific Crest Trail and also the Appalachian Trail. Could you imagine wow. doing that? I I can't imagine it. No, it's incredible. I I am so impressed by what you did and I am so impressed. Like there there are things that I just like can't even imagine. And both of these are are like wow, very impressed. Was he hiking with a friend? No, solo. So he oh, did man. he That's did incredible. You should listen to the episode number 68. He did uh the Appalachian Trail without his guide dog. Uh so wow. solo he stopped counting how many times he fell after 3,000. Uh, it's a pretty amazing story. Yeah. And then Pacific Crest, he had his guide dog to kneel with him. That's amazing. Pretty really cool. inspiring. Yep. And another person that inspires you, we want to hear who is the next Mountain Meister. Who do you want to see as the next Mountain Meister? I met Heather Anderson in Northern California, and she was um, on her way to setting the unsupported speed record for the Pacific Crest Trail. And she's an ultra runner who's hiked the Triple Crown, which is the Pacific Crest Trail, the Continental Divide Trail, and the Appalachian Trail. So she was back on her second PCT hike, and this time going for the speed record, which she set Keep an eye out for Heather on a future episode of Mountain Meister, everybody. Colin Arisman, thank you so much for joining us on Mountain Meister today. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. For the listeners, check out more about Colin on his Meister profile page on our website, mtnmeister.com. We'll have a trailer for only the essential there. Uh, We'll also have pictures of pancakes. Um, And you can also see the film, Only the Essential, at pctfilm.com. Colin, did you want to give our listeners uh, some, some free DVDs? Yeah, absolutely. My PCT hike was inspired by finding a beautiful set of pictures from someone's hike online. I think that experiencing someone else's journey can inspire you to, you know, go after something you might not have even known you wanted to do. So my hope is that someone can get one of these DVDs and realize that this might be something they're cut out to do. Very well put. First three people to email me saying that they want a DVD. Ben at mtnmeister.com. First three people get one. Colin, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Meister fans, thanks for listening to Colin Arisman, long, long, long distance hiker. First three people to email me, ben at mtnmeister.com. Get to watch the movie for free. There's also a way that you can guarantee that you'll see this film, and that's by going to pctfilm.com and buying it. Also, if you didn't hear enough of what Colin had to say, we recorded a few extra minutes with him. We talked about his gear, about the first steps that someone should take if they're looking to hike something as ambitious as the Pacific Crest Trail, and also some fun things, a recommended book, trail food, podcast, and social media follow. You'll have to pay for this one day, but for now, it's free. Just email me, ben at mtnmeister.com if you want me to send it over. As usual, enjoy doing the rest of whatever you do when you listen to this podcast. Until next time, I'm the host, Ben Shank, and you've been listening to Mountain Meister. <laughs>